Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, hello, Emmanuel family. How are you today? It is so good to be here today. Wherever you are joining us at home, in your living rooms, in your bedrooms, in your pajamas, wherever you are, we're so glad to be, uh, to be joining you today. And uh, thanks for joining us. We're actually here today with some of our staff as well. So give it up for our staff here. Thanks, guys, for joining us. <clears throat> If you notice that there is some folks in the auditorium here, uh, so I ask them to, to be here so that I'm not talking to an empty room, uh, or at least it doesn't feel that way. But my name is Danny, and we're actually in a series right now called In My Feelings. This is week number two of our series. We started it last week, and we began by talking about the reality that most people tend to let their feelings control their lives. And when they do that, they often end up in places that they'd rather not be. And we, we are feelings-oriented people. We don't feel like going to the gym, so we don't go to the gym. We don't feel like doing our homework, so we don't do our homework. We don't feel like going to bed on time, so we don't go to bed on time. We don't feel like sticking to a budget, and so we struggle with debt. We don't feel like obeying our parents, and so we don't obey our parents. We oftentimes get ourselves in a lot of trouble because we just act on our feelings. Sometimes we end up in a relationship that we should not be in because we have these strong feelings of uh, 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 emotions going on in our lives. Sometimes we end up in a business partnership we shouldn't be in. Sometimes we end up in a marriage that we shouldn't be in because of feelings and emotions that we're experiencing. Sometimes we end up in jail. Sometimes we end up in a terrible financial situation because we made decisions based on greed or fear or worry or concern. And so what we want to talk about in this series is this idea that we need to learn to control our feelings or our feelings will control us. And last week we began by talking about this first strategy. We said, man, what if we could come up with some strategies just to help us to prevent, you know, prevent us from, from making emotional decisions and ending up in a place that we'd rather not be? What if we could learn to literally stop before we make a bad decision? And so last week we talked about this concept of, of being skeptical. We said, man, when we have emotions and strong feelings, we need to be skeptical. We need to question our feelings because they're often unreliable. The Bible says, whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool, but the wise person seeks wisdom outside of himself or herself. And so we talked about being skeptical in three ways by first of all asking, where is this emotion coming from? What is the root source of it? And if we can figure out where the emotion is coming from, we could really diffuse that emotion and literally stop ourselves from making an emotional decision. Then we said, hey, also ask, is this a fruit of the Spirit? Is this feeling or emotion coming from God? And then thirdly, how does this feeling align with the truth of God's Word? And if it doesn't align with God's Word, we need to press pause and we need need to stop. So hopefully this week you were able to press pause, you were able to ask the question and be skeptical of your feelings. Today I want to talk to you about the second 
the second strategy on how to stop from making some emotional decisions. So if you've got your notes there, if you've got your app and you're following along on your phone, you can type this in. The second strategy is to create space, to create space. The second way we're going to stop our emotions from controlling our life is by creating space in your life. Now, growing up, I played a lot of sports, mostly basketball, but I also played baseball and soccer and some other things. But I'll never forget playing basketball. And I know it's another sports illustration. That's kind of my life. And, but you hang with me a little bit. Playing basketball, I, there, would, there would be times during the game, often, when, when the other team would go on a run. That's what they would call it. And the momentum in the game would shift. And my team would be on the other end. And maybe the other team would make three or four baskets in a row. And then we'd start to get worried and, and concerned. And if the coach was on his game, he would often call a timeout. And the reason the coach would call a timeout is to get his team together on the bench and take a breath and kind of regroup. And he would look us in the face and say, calm down, okay? Everyone relax. We're going to switch our defense from a zone to a man-to-man. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. And after about a minute, we would go back onto the court and we would just feel better. We would take a deep breath, we'd have maybe a little bit of a different strategy, and we would come out with a totally different mindset. And it would literally stop the momentum from the other team. We call it going on a run. What's interesting is that so many times people in their real life find themselves in a spot where they literally say these words, how did I get here? How did, how did things end up in this place. I don't know how we ended up in divorce court. I don't know how I ended up with this bankruptcy. And, he, and here's, here's what I can say to that. You didn't call a time out. Things started to spiral out of control. The momentum was shifting and you did not create space in your life to take a breath, to regroup, and to shift your strategy. I want to talk to you today about creating space. I want to talk to you today about calling a timeout because it just might be the strategy, the strategy that you need to stop yourself from making an emotional decision. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Elijah. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard this story before. But if you haven't, it's, it's a fascinating story. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah experiences this, this wonderful spiritual victory. He's a prophet of God. And there's this battle between false gods and the real God. And, and, and he wins the battle by, by literally calling down fire from heaven to kind of burn up this sacrifice. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 18. And when fire comes down from heaven a little bit of an odd story, and burns up the sacrifice, God proves that he is the only true God. And it's this huge spiritual victory of faith. Well, right on the heels of this victory that Elijah experiences, proving that God is really God and that the other gods are false gods, he gets this, this notification from a, from a lady named Jezebel, who is married to King Ahab at that time, king of Israel. And Jezebel is so angry, she's so mad, she sends this message to, to Elijah. She says, God strike me dead if, if I don't kill you in the same way that the prophets of Baal have been killed. And all of a sudden, something grips Elijah's heart. I want, you to, I want to read it to you in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was afraid. All of a sudden, his heart became filled with fear, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Listen. Then he went 
all alone. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. So here we, we have this, this prophet of God, this man of God who just witnessed this amazing event take place. Fire comes down from heaven and burns up this sacrifice, proving that God is God. He's on this spiritual high, and the pendulum swings, and now all he wants to do is die. You think he's having some pretty powerful emotions? We would, t- teenagers today would say, you know, big mood, dude, big, big mood, right? He's got this huge, he's, he's, his emotions are just, he's, a, he's afraid, he's fearful. Listen to his prayer. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who've already died. I've never been so down and so discouraged that I've prayed for my life to end, but maybe you have. Things are not working out. Emotions are going. Feelings are raging. I would say he's having some pretty strong emotions. Now, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Elijah is actually in a pretty good spot, believe it or not, because he is now all alone. Again, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, whether he did this on purpose or not, he is by himself. No one else around. No cell phones, no text messages, no social media, no phones going off, no televisions going, no music going, no no headphones on. He's all by himself, and now there's a timeout. And now he has, again, whether intentionally or unintentionally, he has created space. He's out in the wilderness. He's by himself. And there's a timeout. And it's in this timeout where Elijah actually finds what he needs. Blaise Pascal is a mathematician slash theologian. He said this. I think this is so spot on. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room by himself. We just don't know how to be alone. We just, we don't know the power of what it, of what it would do for our lives to be by ourselves, to control and to stop emotions from running our life. So how is it, how is it that this, this time, this space where Elijah is by himself, how does that heal his emotions? How does that help him to see clearly? I want you to notice three things in the text. This space, this space, first and foremost, in your notes there, this space helps Elijah to recover. It, it just simply helps him to, to recover on a very, very practical level. Elijah needs some physical recovery. And I don't know if you know this or not, and hopefully you do, our emotions and our physical body are all tied together, okay? That's, that's what it means to be human. Like our body and our emotions and our desires, they're, they're all wired together. And sometimes the most important thing that we need to do to get our emotions under control and to stop them from controlling our lives is to recover physically. I want you to see what happens in verse 3 and verse 4 of 1 Kings 19. When he gets there underneath the tree, he lays down and he, he slept, He falls asleep under the tree. But as he was sleeping, the angel touched him, sent from God. Angels are messengers from God. God says, I need Elijah to do something. What does he need him to do? Get up, wake up, and I want you to eat. He looked around, and sure enough, beside his head, there was some bread baked on the hot stones and a jar of water. So what does Elijah do? He eats, and he drinks, and then what does he do? 
he lays down again. He goes back to sleep. I'm here to tell you today that sometimes the best thing that you and I can do when we have emotions that are raging and feelings that are raging, like fear. I mean, today fear is just gobbling people up in our culture today, especially in this present moment. Sometimes the thing we need to do most is to, put, is to hydrate and put some healthy food in our body and go to bed. Can I get an amen? <laughs> go to sleep. That's what he tells Elijah to do. Go take a nap. Recently, I read a book called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. And this book is all about calming down and finding quiet and being still. It's not a Christian book, but it has the has biblical principles in it. In the book, he's got a chapter called Go to Sleep. Holiday says this, research has shown that as we approach 20 or so hours without sleep, we are cognitively impaired. We are as cognitively impaired as a drunk person. (laughs) Our brains respond more slowly and our judgment is significantly impaired without sleep. Sleep deprivation, it hurts us. It, 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 it impairs our ability to think and make good decisions. But does it affect our emotions? It absolutely does. Recently, I, I read an article uh, by a PhD. His name is James Bruce. And he writes that there are four significant effects that sleep, sleep deprivation have on our emotions. First of all, it makes us short-tempered. <laughs> have you noticed this? Are you raising teenagers? <laughs> sleep deprivation causes you to snap and have a quick temper. It causes you to be more negative than normal. It causes you to to worry more. You can look the article up yourself on Psychology Today. It causes you to worry more than usual than you do about the future. And it causes you to be less grateful towards the people in your life, the the people closest to you. Less thankful to the people, and so it hurts your relationships. Sleep, Sleep deprivation. It really does affect our emotional life. And we know that through experience, don't we? we? We know that when we're tired, we snap at people and we're more negative and we're cranky and we even tell people, you probably tell your spouse sometimes, hey, you need to go back to bed. <laughs> you need about one more hour of sleep. You're a little bit cranky today. So number one, what did this space do for Elijah? It helped him to slow down. It helped him to stop because he, he ate and he drank and he slept. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do for your soul, the most healing thing you can do for your soul is to take a nap. Amen? Number two, what else happens in this space? We create space because it helps us to think. Man, when we're emotional, I said this last week, we tend to, our logic and our reasoning abilities tend to go out the window. We're so... So emotional. We, I mean, think about Elijah. He's praying that God would take his life. Come on, dude. Is it that bad? Is Jezebel really, you know, going to get you? Think. Think, man. Dallas Willard said in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, muddy water becomes clear if you only let it be still for a while. Have you noticed that? He's talking about the soul. He's talking about our emotions. We're, when, when our emotions are, are all inflamed, like the, 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 the water of our life, it's, it's, it's unclear and we can't see and, and we don't know what to do next. And we're like moving through the dark. What if you just sat down for a while and just stilled your soul? Something would happen. All the sentiments, all the emotions and all the feelings would, would float to the bottom and the water would become clear and you would know what to do. You wouldn't make such emotional decisions with your life. So, so 
Elijah wakes up from this nap and the angel wakes him up and takes him 40 miles all the way to Mount Sinai where, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Travels 40 days and 40 nights. When he gets there, the angel puts him inside of a cave. He's by himself. Again, all alone. And when Elijah gets to this cave, God asks him a question in verse 9. The Lord says to Elijah, what are you doing here, bud? Come on, talk to me. You've come all this way. What are you doing here? Now, is God curious? Does he not know the answer? Yes or no? Right? Of course God knows the answer. He knows that Elijah's afraid for his life. He knows that he's caved into fear. He knows that he's angry and, he, and he, he's, he's feeling like he's the only godly person in the world who's willing to stand up against false gods. And he, he, he's got to, he, God knows what's going on inside Elijah, but does Elijah know what's going on inside of Elijah? This question is not for God. This question is for who? It's for Elijah. What does this show us? God wants us to, to be still and create some space to think about why we are feeling the way we're feeling. Elijah, why are you so afraid of this woman? Didn't you just see fire come down from heaven and burn up that sacrifice? Didn't you just see my power? Didn't you just see my glory? Why are you afraid? Think, 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 man. Use your brain. We tend to make really poor decisions when, the, when, when all the, the, the muddy waters is clogging our view and we can't see. But when we create space, we create space in all those emotions, all those feelings, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's worry, whether it's greed, whatever the emotions are, they can settle to the bottom and then all of a sudden we can see clearly. You know, as a pastor, many people ask me uh, about counsel for their situation or what they should do in a relationship or a business decision or, or what to do with their life, their calling. And uh, they'll present situations to me and they'll ask my advice about what I think they should do. And oftentimes, it's pretty easy, not all the time, but oftentimes, it's pretty easy after listening and asking some clarifying questions, I can say to the person, well, I think you have two options, A, B, I think you should do A. It's pretty simple. And you've had the experience too, right? A friend comes to you and they don't know what they should do about this boy they're dating, and they tell you about it, and they tell you about how they're feeling, and you're like, dude, he's not for you. Break it off. Are you kidding me? It's so easy to see. And then you tell your friend that, and it's black and white, and you're like, break up with them. And, and, and your girlfriend's like, what? We've been together for five years, and I love him. And, and you, know, all, you know, it's like, you just asked me, like, and you told me, and, like, he, and this is simple. Why is it so simple to you? And why is it so simple to me, the one who's being asked? Why is, it, why is it so clear? Like, don't enter into a business partnership with that person. Do not date her. Do not marry him. Like, why? don't make that financial investment. Do not buy that car. Do not sell that. Why, why is it so clear to us when asked? Simple. There's no emotion. The emotion has drained out of the decision for us, but the other person cannot see so clearly because it's an emotional thing. There's all types of things stirred up inside that person's heart. What if you could create some space, like Elijah did, whether intentionally or unintentionally, where you can let all of the emotions settle? You stop, you don't do anything, you go create some space, and you let all the emotions settle, and you almost kind of pretend like your issue or your problem is not even your problem. 
Like, it's not even mine. I'm I'm just now looking at the situation, and I'm going to take the emotion out of it. All of a sudden, you will start to see clearly. And you will know what the next thing to do is. And you will stop allowing your emotions to control your life. Is this making sense? What happens in this space? Well, we get recovery by eating well and hydrating and sleeping. And then what else happens? We have space to think. And then this third, and perhaps the most important, we have this space helps us to hear God speak. And that is what we need most. When, we, when, we, when we're emotional and we're afraid or angry or bitter or resentful or filled with shame or, or anxious, whatever the emotion is, and we, we, we carve out some time for ourselves to be alone, we actually have space to hear, hear God speak to us about our situation. If we go back to the text, 1 Kings chapter 19, he's in the cave, Elijah's in the cave, and you know, God tells him to come out to the edge of the cave, and he doesn't go. So there's this earthquake that comes up, rocks the whole cave. You know, and he's in the cave, and he's, you know, just, he doesn't move. And then all of a sudden, there's this huge, you know, tornado, wind, you know, blows by, blows rocks off the front of the cave, and again, he doesn't move. He's probably just gripped with fear. And then all of a sudden, it says there's this fire that erupts outside the cave, and, and again, he doesn't move. He just stays in the cave. And the scriptures say that that God was not in the earthquake, he was not in the tornado, he was not in the fire. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, verse 12 and 13, look what we read. 1 Kings chapter 19. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. How interesting. Verse 13. When Elijah heard the gentle, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. God is a communicating God. He wants to speak to you, into your heart. He wants to speak into your emotions. He has a message for you. But in order to hear that message... We have to create some space. Let me ask you a question. What would your environment have to be like in order to hear a gentle whisper? Would you have to put away Facebook and email and, 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 and the music with the headphones? And, and, and would you have to put a, turn the television off? And would you have to turn off the... We live in such a loud world filled with noise and constant chatter and friends texting and things popping up and alerts and notifications and music going and all. How could we ever expect to hear a gentle whisper in all of that noise? You tell me. We wouldn't be very, very good at hearing that voice, would we? See, God is a communicating God, but he's not going to scream over all the noise in your life. He's not going to speak into your anger or your guilt or your shame if all you have going is noise, 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 noise. Because when he speaks, he speaks with a gentle whisper. So when I read this story, I'm like, I'm convinced, convinced that in my life, I have to create an environment where there's There's not much noise if I want to hear God speak. 
And sure enough, I try to do that, and it's not always perfect. When I reduce the noise and focus in, and I can hear God speaking. This is the way Jesus lived his life, you know. He did. Like one time in Luke chapter 5, Jesus healed this leper, and he told the guy, he said, don't tell anybody. He said, don't tell a soul. And the guy was so excited, he couldn't hold it in, so he goes out, and he starts blabbing it all over the place. Look, look, and look, Luke chapter 5, watch what happens. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power, Jesus' power, spread even faster, and vast crowds came out to hear him preach, and didn't get to your diseases healed. This is what every preacher dreams of. Momentum, larger crowds, more people, more sermons, more people can hear your words, more people can be healed, right? That's what, well, I mean, there's no preacher alive that wouldn't love that. Look at the next verse. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Same place Elijah went to. The wilderness, the desert. What are you doing? Things are going. Can you imagine you're one of his disciples and, and crowds are growing and you're famous. People, the word is getting out and people like your message and it's connecting and people are being healed. Where, dude, where'd, you, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, he went, he went up into the mountain again to pray. Oh, gosh. I can't believe this. Just when things were getting hot. There he goes again. What is he doing? You know what he's doing? He's not doing what many of us think he's doing. Many of us think that prayer is this thing that we go to God and we kind of recite some, some lines. Like, um, hey God, you know, you're awesome and I love you and it's really cool that you're, you know, omnipresent or omniscient or omnip omnipotent and I just love the fact that you're really awesome. And oh, by the way, I could really use some, uh, a raise at my job and give me some clarity about college and I don't really know what to do with this girl or whatever, right? So we tell him a couple of things and then we ask him a few things and then we think that we've prayed. And that is a form of prayer. I think we should tell God how we feel about him. I think we should ask him for stuff and, and for other people as well. But I think that Jesus didn't go out into the wilderness to recite some things to God or to ask him from, for some stuff. I think he went out to listen. What do you think? I think he went out in the wilderness to, to, to calm all the noise, and to get away from all the chatter, and all the sick folk, and all the people that needed to hear the message, and all those, you know, clinging and trying to get his time. And he went out into the wilderness so that he could hear the gentle whisper. In fact, one time Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what my heavenly father shows me to do. Well, where did he get those instructions? About which town to go to and what person to heal and what message to preach. Where did he get those instructions? He would often withdraw into the wilderness to hear the message from his father. See, what we do to control our emotions and to avoid them from controlling our lives as we create some space to hear God speak to us about our fears, about our concerns, our anxieties, our anger, whatever the emotion is. And he calms things down. And so Elijah comes out to the edge of the cave. He hears that gentle whisper. And God speaks to him and tells him to anoint three different people. He gives them instructions. He gives the prophet 
clear directions on what to do with his life. The very next step. And it doesn't say that Elijah came out of his funk and he wasn't depressed anymore and he wasn't despondent and he wasn't discouraged. It doesn't actually say that in the text, but guess what? He left that place and he went back to work. And he did exactly what God told him to do. And so the assumption is that he was healed. He recovered. He rested, he had time to think, and he had time to hear from God. What about you? What about you? Will you create space to recover physically, to think about your situation, and to hear God speak? Not too long ago, I gave our staff a little tool to do this, to create some space in their life. It's something that I learned about in, in some, some of the books I've been reading. And it's actually a very old practice, 500 years old, actually. It's called the Prayer of the Examine. And it was created by a really old dead guy named St. Ignatius. And uh, I like really old dead guys. There's something special about them. Uh, and there's five steps to it. And really, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to take about 10 to 15 minutes, like midday or at the end of your day. That's where this, this works best. Again, it's just kind of creating some space where you find a solitary place by yourself and you just kind of work through these five steps. And I sh- again, I shared this with our staff and they said it was pretty valuable. So they encouraged me to share it with you. So I'll work through this with you really quick. Step one is to ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide your life in this moment. This, I'm here and I'm inviting you in. And, and another version of the prayer says, you know, to, to become aware of God's presence. You know, the scripture tells us to be led by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, for the Spirit to guide our lives, not to quench the Spirit, not to grieve the Spirit, but to yield to the Spirit. And so in this first step, we come to this place, this space that we've created, and we yield to the Spirit, and we ask for Him to guide the next 10 or 15 minutes of our life. And then we go into step number two, which is to review the day in thanksgiving. Again, midday, at the end of the day, just kind of go over what happened in your life today. What, what did you see? What did you experience? Who did you interact with? Did you have good interactions? Did you have bad interactions? You just kind of go over it, but you go over your day in Thanksgiving. Why? Because Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving triggers a strong emotion called joy. And joy, I believe, is the foundational emotion of a spiritual, for a healthy spiritual life. And so you go over the day and you thank God for the things that have happened, even if they're challenging or difficult or negative. Sometimes they're not negative. Sometimes they're wonderful. I was, the other day I was at Starbucks and this, this wonderful barista named Rachel, she bought me a latte. And I was like, that is awesome. And I was very happy in that moment. And I just wrote it down. I was thankful And that brought joy to my life. So then you review the day in Thanksgiving and that moves you into step three. As you're doing that, you notice emotions or notice feelings that surface as you're reviewing your day. What am I feeling right now? This is the part where you're learning to control your emotions. You're learning to stop those negative emotions from controlling your life. So you might, you might notice that, man, when I had that interaction with my boss, I, I got frustrated or I got angry, and you write that down. And here's why, you know, I, I experienced frustration in my life, or I was, I was anxious because I heard some news today that caused me to think about the future, and I started, a, and I had a little surge of anxiety, and you, and you start to write down what you're feeling. This is a very important important part of the process. This goes back to last week when I said, where is this emotion coming from? Why do I feel this way? What is the root source of this? You're learning about yourself in this process. It's about 10 minute process, 10, 15 minutes. And then number four, probably the most important step is you pray through these feelings. 
This is the most critical step in the whole process. And what does it mean to pray through those feelings? You say, God, you know, what are you speaking to me here? What, what is the message of this? Why do I feel this way? Remember what God said to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here in this cave? I know, but do you know? This is the part where we become aware of why we feel the way we feel. And we're asking God. Remember, it's step number one. We're asking his spirit to guide the conversation. Holy Spirit, what, is it, what am I supposed to learn from this, this, this emotion or this feeling that I'm having? What am I supposed to do? Am I, do you want me to go seek reconciliation with that person? What, what am I, what's the message of this feeling that I have? Should I deny it? Should I act on it? What should I do? And you pray through the emotion and then you do what God tells you to do. This is that space where you hear the gentle whisper of God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go apologize, okay? I want you to admit you were wrong, okay? And then when you hear God speak, you go and you take action. And then number five, you look forward to tomorrow and hope. And I love that phrase, hope, that word hope, because, man, we need a lot of hope today, don't we? <laughs> Constantly barraged with bad news. What if, you could, what if you could end this time, this 10 minutes of review by saying, God, tomorrow I'm excited about the good things you and I are going to do together. I can't wait. And all of a sudden, you end the day, you close the day, and you go to sleep with the emotion, the feeling of hope instead of angst or fear or worry in your life. It's the, called the prayer of the examine. I shared it with our staff. They said it was a blessing to them. It's, it's what you do in the space. I challenge you today to create space. Well, what am I supposed to do in the space? Well, take the prayer of the examine and work it out. Maybe you just take a nap. <laughs> Maybe you just go to sleep. And then you pray the prayer. Or you pray the prayer, then you go to sleep. <laughs> create space. Here's my question for you today as we wrap up. When are you going to create space this week? There's a lot of emotions going on today. A lot of feelings, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. If we're going to stop fear and anxiety and worry from controlling our lives, we've got to create space. We've got to recover. We've got to think things through. I did it today. I had some space in my life and I thought, you know what? I don't know all there that's going on right now. Things are changing so quickly with this virus spreading around. I, I want to talk to a professional. So I called one of my friends who is an ER doctor. And he's talking and reading all the reports coming out of Italy. And he's, he's in the know of what's really going on. Because lots of people sharing their opinions today about what's going on on Facebook, right? Who have no clue what they're talking about. <laughs> Amen? Okay? So we got to talk to him. So I had this space. And I'm just like, God, you know, what, how do you want me to lead through this? Myself, our people. I, and I heard him. I just felt him say, call someone who knows. So I called him. And he gave me some information. I was like, oh. And I felt it. It's like, Okay. This is right. This is good. We're making decisions based on what's happening in our world today. Not out of fear, not out of worry, but out of responsibility and love for people. Just create some space, and then you will be able to make decisions that are not based on emotion, but are based on reality and love. 
When will you create some space? I'm de- I've dedicated my life, and, and, and those of you in the room here know this, those of you, many of you watching, you know this, I'm gonna create space in my life to recover, to think, and to hear God speak. The question is, when will you do it? When will you do it? I hope that you'll take some time to be silent, to be solitary, to be alone, so that you can stop your emotions from controlling your life. Now, as we wrap up today, this is a moment. This is some space. And it's some space where you can hear a message of love and of hope. Maybe a message you've never heard before. You see, I believe with all my heart that God has created us with a thirsty soul. And we're gonna find something in our lives to try to satisfy that thirst and that hunger. It could be a reputation, it could be the pursuit of wealth, it could be the pursuit of material possessions, achievements at work, being with the right people. We're thirsty, our souls are thirsty. And that's why Christ came into the world. In fact, Jesus Christ one time called himself the living water. In another passage, he called himself the bread of life. Why would he use terms like that? It's because he came to satisfy our souls. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came to this earth to die on a cross for our sins. He came back to life to remove the barrier between man to me, between man and God so that we can have reconciliation, so that he could fill our hearts with his love, so that he could satisfy our souls with his peace and contentment. And maybe you've never taken that step of faith. Maybe you've never put your trust in Christ today, but you know you need to, especially right now with everything going on in the world. I'm gonna encourage you to take that step to reach out to Jesus as the living water, as as the bread of life, the one who satisfies your soul, the one who forgives your sins. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer of faith. And if you've never prayed this before, if you've never trusted Christ, just take these words and make them your own. If you feel strangely, oddly drawn into this moment, that means it's for you. I'm I'm gonna pray a prayer, take these words, make them your own, put your faith in Christ today. Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, I'm thirsty been thirsty for a long time and now I finally found what I need the quenching of my soul and that is you I reach out to you in faith in trust and I ask you to be my savior I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you came back to life to cancel all the guilt and the penalty of sin in my life. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me your child. Fill me with your spirit. Satisfy my soul. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We are rejoicing with you. If you prayed that prayer today, we are rejoicing with you. We would love to put a gift in your hands if you trusted Christ today. Yeah, it looks like a shoe box, but it's not a shoe box. It's a saved box. And if you trusted Christ today, we would ask you to text the word SAVED to 65248. 
so that you can receive one of these gifts, one of these boxes. Inside this box, there is a Bible with a reading plan. There are steps you can take on your next, uh, on your journey with Christ and how to get involved in the church and how to be baptized, how to be on the, on the, the impact team. So if you got saved today, if you prayed that prayer, text the word SAVED to 65248 and our team will make sure you get one of these in your hands. Can we give God glory, guys? Amen. One more time. This week, this week, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to all of our platforms on social media. We're going to be giving updates through our Facebook uh, and, and Instagram platforms to let you know what's going to be happening next weekend and here at the church as far as services go. Will you pray with me and then we'll end. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this story of Elijah that we can see clearly that when our feelings and our emotions are, are raging, what we really need to do is create space to rest, recover, to think, and to hear you speak into our lives. Help us to take this simple prayer of examine and practice it so that we can stop our emotions from controlling our life. We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.